Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily Season 2, Episode 291 for October 18th, 2023. Tonight, we're going to discuss, well, if you have fewer humans, you have fewer strikes. How about a UAW Strike Impact CES 2024? Underwater sculptures promote sea change. A 15-foot transformer for $3 million. When I was 11, I liked to play with industrial equipment too. How about Pepper X is the reaper of ghost peppers? How about the most and least energy efficient states? I'm looking at you, Wyoming. Don't fork around with disposable plastic in Hong Kong. Ludicrous speed CPU and outer middle compression. I've literally got no... Okay, so people freak out whenever you say literally, because literally means something that's written, right? Literally. But it also has the other... the uh, idiomatic meaning of something that actual in actuality happens. Like, right. you know, I literally am holding, you know, something in my hand or whatever. Uh, I am literally navel-gazing. You know, um, so I guess you have to change it to symbolically or something like that, right? I, but all of this to say, I have nothing to chat about preamble wise before the show. I, before we, that's actually good. We can just get into the news. Ah, uh, it just seems like we should have a, a small chat about something, but I guess today. We're going to make an exception. Normally, I've got something to talk about. Um, but okay, are you looking forward to Halloween? Maybe. <laughs> you were supposed to run with that. <laughs> I'm going to run. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I am because I love handing out candy to all of the hometown citizens that stop by the mayoral mansion. Um, but this year is going to be like, maybe the first year. I don't know. I don't remember anybody coming last year. Um, cause it was like, it was the end of the pandemic kind of a thing. And now we're it's endemic and you, you still have the heebie jeebies about, you know, people sticking their hands in a bowl of candy. So you hand it out, but they have the heebie jeebies because you're handing out candy. We'll see. We'll, we'll see who trick or treated last year, so we'll see this year. Yeah, I know, but it didn't seem. I remember handing out bowl of bowls, plural. There were two, um, but last year I don't think I don't even remember it. Plus, the police showed up because we were macing people and tasering people. No. No, I don't think any of that happened. Oh, that was just the event I went to. Okay. Oh, right. That's because it was, we were running into the Capitol and never mind. Okay. So let's, let's go on to uh, the, the, the first article. 
So the first article is over in Hatch Ideas. Paintjet puts robots to work in construction and maintenance as labor shortage drags on. Tennessee startup has managed to cover more than 1.5 million square feet of building exteriors and ships in less than three years. So this little segment I titled, you have fewer strikes when you replace humans. Um, Laura Kolodny over at CNBC.com put this article together. My mic now is like blasting out um, and redlining. So I'm going to turn it down a smidge. Hopefully I don't read. No, I'm hitting redline. Okay. Well, anyway, if I peek too much, then I guess I'll find out in post um, just how much damage I'm doing. So with just 20 employees and a fleet of remote controlled robots, a startup called PaintJet. Why do I know PaintJet from somewhere else? It sounds like a service or a piece of software PaintJet. Oh, maybe it's Inkjet that I'm thinking of. Anyway, PaintJet has managed to cover more than 1.5 million square feet of building exteriors um, and ships. In less than three years, the startup based in Hendersonville, Tennessee, is the brainchild of CEO Nick Hegeman or Hegeman. Hmm. Uh, along with his co-founder, Steve uh, Wazalowski and Sonia Chaco. Uh, they started the company after Hegeman drew inspiration from his first foray into business ownership, running a Serta Pro Painters franchise in Greater Nashville. So obviously you have to deal with a whole lot of humans when you're painting stuff, but I guess when it's macro, you can just set up scaffolding and then a bot can run around replacing the humans. Right. I mean, I don't know how that would work for detail work, but. That's true, huh? It's kind of like the last mile. Detailing is the last mile of painting. Because you have true. to get the little nooks and crannies. You have to have some real precision. I suppose if it's just a blank slate and there is no fine detail, then you can just blast it, you know. Hedgeman tells CNBC, uh, with painting, labor shortage hits you right in the face. It was not so much a challenge to sell and book work, but it was always a challenge to do the work. At one point, we were painting a 150,000 square foot warehouse and had it uh, to let go of a crew. It's not ideal but it happens. Then it was just myself and my wife painting a huge warehouse just to meet a customer deadline. Yeah. Um, all, all kinds of stuff can lead to you having to let people go. It's usually though some budget overrun and, and overextending and stuff like that. But, um, uh, you know, and some natural event or however, you want to qualify somebody eating a bad bat in a wet market. Um, being a natural event. <clears throat> anyway, uh, the company's eventual solution was to build modular robotics that could attach to a lift or a cherry picker, uh, like the ones commonly used to hoist construction workers up uh, to high areas of a building. Uh, the paint jet system is affixed to the basket of the lift as an end effector and includes cameras that scan the surface of the building to 150 square foot box at a time. After the area has been scanned, sprayers just glide over painting the box by box. A 
until the job is complete. Paintjet operators on the ground use a remote control to operate both the lift and the end defectors. This is like the engineering thing. Eh, it's a sprayer. But it sounds defectors. very fancy though. <laughs> yes. It's engineering speak. Yeah, I don't like that song. There, every time we stream, I'm listening to that song and it's really horrible. Um, anyway, so one of the startup's objectives is to help customers use as little paint as possible to get the job done, says Hegeman or Hegeman. I'll have to rely on Hegeman. Um, paint can be expensive when you're using so much of it and a lot of paint contains toxic chemicals that nobody wants to touch. Makes sense, but everybody says you have to do at least two coats. Hey, Heavy Steel. That song is canceled, indeed. Hopefully it wasn't too loud coming across. Um, I have it set for a lower volume going out, but good to see you. Welcome to the show. Um, so you have to do a minimum of coverage. And if you, if you skimp on it, you end up what a lot of commercial, like the, the basic house builder kind of paint job you can actually see the primer through the paint because it's such a horrible job they're just getting it done um but yeah well, i think I, it's really cool that they've set this up i mean it's not good if they're doing this in lieu of hiring people but maybe it's a necessity with all the worker shortages well and it's the thing when i do these talks about technology automation society um companies that use humans and make profits and the profits don't go out to the humans they're basically saving up money either for the executive suite or for the company to buy back stock or finally to replace the humans when the technology affords them the right price so it, like automated driving right Uber and so on have actually pre-ordered self-driving vehicles so that when they're ready for prime time, they can purchase a hundred thousand or they have basically put the order in said, Hey, we will buy a hundred thousand of these self-driving cars, um, and replace the humans. And you're literally working for the company that is telling you, we're going to replace you at the earliest possible moment. <clears throat> So, and it makes you wonder, you know, oh, you're surprised by a strike when there is no loyalty to the employee short of a paycheck. And we've built a culture in our employees so that they too feel like, oh, well, I know I can go somewhere else and get a better job if you start to treat me wrong. Um, it's an interesting situation. Uh, Businesses shouldn't be surprised if you have a culture where you treat your employees poorly and they actually move on. Um, but strikes abound. We actually end up talking about it pretty much on the regular around here. But let's right, keep it's on. almost like a daily occurrence. Who's on strike today? Yeah, well, we're going to find out here in a second. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it's a great idea. Great tech but it's going to pull painters out of it for industrial purposes, um, at least, but doing those cut-ins and the, and the high quality work and the edge detail and the, and the, the stuff that requires fine motor skills, you're not going to get a bot doing that. 
um, at least not one that is cost effective and, and time efficient. Okay. Um, <laughs> Heavy Steel says, yay, more strengths. Check this one out. Let's go on. The next article is over in Late Night Geeks. The UAW strike is starting to affect CES 2024. Told you it was right around the corner. I would not connect these two. <laughs> Stellantis announced Tuesday that it'll cancel its planned presentations and display at CES 2024, mainly because UAW is sitting there telling Stellantis, you know, you, you better come up with something and plop it on the table, buddy, because we're about to walk away. And we're going to take this plant or that plant with us. Um, the UAW actually, uh, apparently the rumor was, as far as I heard, was that <laughs> the UAW um, brought Ford to the table and said, hey, um, uh, was it Ford? I think it was. Well, no. Well, it was Stellantis. Stellantis it was, was the one that was featured in the news recently. Yeah, it was Stellantis where they they said um, you don't have a, a, come and, and provide us an offer and, so that we can evaluate it. And when they showed up, they didn't have an offer. And so they said, OK, you're losing um, the Explorer plant, which was is a, a real golden goose for them. So um, apparently now it's starting to impact CES because they don't have enough people and enough product and enough anything really, I guess, to go to CES. Um, but let's go over to the article. Kirsten Korosek is the author of this over at techcrunch.com. And it says here, in light of the current status of negotiations in the United States, preserving business fundamentals and therefore protecting the future of the company is a top priority of Stellantis leadership. Apparently, <laughs> It's so tenuous at Stellantis that going to CES 2024 is going to be a precarious financial decision. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of worrisome, isn't it? <laughs> I'm I thought it was more like we can't make enough cars and trucks because we have all these strikes, so we can't afford to put two out on display or whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like $120,000 for two of them, so if not more than that um okay uh over the past several years ces has become uh auto an auto show of sorts because of all of the stuff that's going in the cars and they're highlighting the tech that's in the, in the cars i even have a channel that's dedicated to that where did i put it um doo -doo 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 -doo. where is it there you yeah, go four wheel tech four wheel tech is the yeah, you got 50 channels for crying out loud. I'm losing track of where everything is. Um, so uh, CES has all of this tech. It's a consumer electronics show, and a lot of that goes into the automobiles. So over the past several years, CES has become an auto show of sorts with automakers such as General Motors, Ford, Toyota, Hyundai, and Stellantis plunking serious coin. You know what they need to do? They need to do what somebody else has already done and just start using child labor at CES. They're they're cheaper. What? No, that's what? so wrong. Oh, look, I'm just trying to provide solutions for the coming dystopian era. 
Where it's just Are you be, teeing up another article on the show today? It, it, it's just going to be children working and bots. <laughs> right. I mean, it's going to solve all labor problems, right? And j- just wait for it, though. We have a... There's an article that's referencing exactly what I'm talking about. So, you know what? Let's just keep working. Let's go to the next article. This next article is over in Prime Glass. Swim through underwater sculptures aimed to promote sea change. I agree. Heavy Heavy Steel says the child robot revolution is nigh. That's just the next step. Eventually, we will just have child robots doing all of the labor. And then, you know, we have the chimney sweep child robot. Total convergence. We've replaced humans altogether until at least the robots start doing, you know, uh, strikes. I guess they start acting like in Foundation. That's right. Which, if you haven't watched Foundation, go and watch Foundation. I can't wait for the next season. That's a bummer that it, it... Did it feel really short? All seasons of every show feel really short. Because there aren't that many episodes. Sorry, we got sidetracked. Um, That is is what happens with Marowat. Um, So Doug Aitken is creating a series of large-scale works moored on the ocean floor in the Caribbean to publicize the perilous state of the oceans due to climate change. Um, But basically building structures that you can swim around and in. Um, What's really cool about this kind of stuff is we've known for quite some time that all you have to do is clean something and drop it in the ocean and a whole ecosystem builds around it. And so the more elaborate it is, the the more um, uh, nooks and crannies that exist, little pockets and stuff, life just gravitates towards it Um, and as long as it isn't toxic as long as it isn't harmful then everything is great that's why they actually scrub out ships and stuff like that before they sink them Um, and they become dive spots and and fish and stuff are attracted to this right they become Um, artificial reefs and yeah even going so far as to say that even offshore wind generator power generators that are wind turbines um, those do it too. Uh, the pylons that support the structure, those actually become little ecosystems. Um, and there's been papers written about that as well. Uh, so it's really neat. Uh, I love this kind of stuff. Uh, I am a diver, uh, but I haven't gone diving for a considerable amount of time. But if I had this kind of stuff sitting around on the ocean floor for me to dive and the water wasn't freezing, freaking cold where you need a dry suit, Um, probably not in the caribbean that's probably pretty decent yeah you know like north carolina water is like bath water um whereas florida water is now hitting 100 degrees so i was gonna say i don't think we have a problem with cold water (laughs) lately even in cold water locales i wonder if uh well I i suppose the west coast down towards San Diego and all of that is getting even colder because it's pulling from the north, unless all of the ocean, right? Maybe it's all getting warmer. But the east coast has that circle of water that's from Florida going north. So maybe at some point, you know, Maine will have some seriously good diving. 
There's all kinds of stuff up there. Ships have sunk off the coast. Shipwrecks, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a couple of nukes somewhere around here. Um, here being the East Coast. Omtown is placed on the East Coast. So uh, in in the wires, Omtown is on the East Coast. So, I mean, we start at 8 p.m. Eastern, for crying out loud. So, <laughs> right. That time zone kind of gives, <laughs> gives, it gives away. that away. So floating underneath the water surface for a month, Aiken's pavilion-like works will create a kaleidoscope of geometric abstractions with their reflective materials. The hollow sculptures can be swum through. Hmm. I very rarely say that word, swum through. Um, and will be open to the public. A previous uh, iteration of the project, Underwater Pavilions, was installed off the California coast in 2016. The, the uh, sculpture surface will be made with rough rock-like material sourced in consultation with oceanographers, marine biologists, and ocean preservationists, and designed to support marine growth. As the climate and tides change, so will the visible growth. So this will be pretty neat to watch this uh, turn into something living um but i think this is really cool yeah i i'll have to look to see what it actually is made of because it they're kind of cagey right they don't say exactly what it is here exactly yeah um so i'll, I'll be curious to go and look and, and see what it's actually made of because concrete um is actually a, a big carbon sink um it it off gases quite a bit basically in perpetuity and large amounts are uh, they're they're bad for the environment so uh, let me do something real quick if you don't mind okay um, let's go on to the next article and uh, we can meet Arcax the 15-foot transformer style robot that's the brainchild of a Japanese startup and is selling for three million dollars it's over in hometown daily um, we're going to jump straight on over to it business insider always has really good pictures geota man is the author of this um oh that definitely looks like transformers really so to i'd me, say so to me this looks more like robotech than it does transformers transformers were something that they looked entirely like something else they look like a truck they look like a car they look like a helicopter and then they transform into a robot but before they turn into a robot they look like a car or a vehicle or an animal or something like that only the new like the the more abstract from autobots um did they look like robots in animal form or whatever like even the constructicons were were uh, industrial equipment that maybe an 11 year old would drive around wait for it the, the next article it'll make sense <laughs> oh i know which one you're talking about but this looks like robotech which was actually um mechanical power armor with a person inside it and it never really was distanced from that construct. It was mechanical in nature and, and power armor. This looks more like Robotech. So Arcax, uh, it says here in the, in the um, article, Arcax is similar to the 
amplified mobility platform exoskeleton suit in avatar so basically the power armor um and not just in avatar but in like aliens um where you get inside it and it has actuators so that you can move and it amplifies your power um uh, tubame in industries has built a 3.5 ton 15 foot robot that can morph into vehicles or morph oh, into it's a like vehicle. grogu when he has the um he yes. can control the robot yeah, the little, <laughs> um or um uh what's his oh, name thing from, from men in black from meta what is the what's his name zuckerberg oh i was thinking like, men in black a, but okay <laughs> yeah men in black is the the little dude that's in the guy a tall guy's head in men in black is the same guy that's inside mark zuckerberg's head anyway the japanese startups plans to sell them for three million dollars each after unveiling them later this month um so life imitates art or at least it it seems to in the field of robotics a japanese startup developed this 15 foot transformer i i really i would probably shy away from calling it a transformer um but it looks more like a robotech power armor um suit and those can transform into like a helicopter or a motorcycle or um, um a, a jet that can walk and stuff like that but uh, that's more what this would be. The robot is controlled by pilots, which can uh, get into the cockpit by climbing a ladder and opening the hatch. This is actually pretty spectacular, except for the fact that it's wheeled. Um, I don't know if the wheels can retract. It says that it, moving parts can be operated. There's also a vehicle mode where its arms can be folded. Um, the cockpit has two joysticks and six switches, so it can tilt and be moved forward, back, left, and right. Um, if it has the ability to actually take steps, then it's going to be like really big feet and, and do, you know, that wind up robot where it would walk like, yes, you set it on the table and it just walks. I suspect that it's going to be like that because we just don't have the, the actuators that can, um, twitch that fast and move that fast to balance. So it would be really, this thing is huge. It would have to be uh, mechanically slow to, to actually take steps. Uh, Tubame Industries is offering it in five colors, sapphire blue, pearl white, spark red, Atlantis green, and midnight purple. Gotta go with the red because that makes it go faster. It makes sense if you're into Warhammer. Yeah, but it's also more likely to get a speeding ticket. True. Huh. Okay, let me pause that. So that's what this thing looks like. It actually looks more like a like a mechanical horse. You know, or <laughs> you, you know, uh, not a minotaur, uh, centaur. It looks like a robotic centaur. It has this really long, thick body, and then a humanoid upper torso attached to it. Um, you know, oddly enough, I, I dig it if it can actually stand upright. If those fingers and the hands and wrists and arms and all of that can actually move, um, I want to see video because I've seen a much larger version of this that was actually attached to a building. Um, and I loved that 
but it had this huge mechanical umbilical that allowed it to walk out of the building a little bit, but then it had to back up back into the building. It wasn't free to walk around. So yeah, with the right angle, it looks like a robot, but it's all smoke and mirrors. But I love the idea. This part right here, that torso part, bolted on to actually powered legs that have the ability to keep balance that would be a remarkable step forward in uh, robotics but see that's that's all sitting behind it <laughs> yeah it kind of depends on which angle it's from but yep um what did they plan to do with this well uh, like other than charge somebody three million dollars i don't know um well it's like powered armor so you can actually grab things with the hands and move it and stuff like that um short of that nothing i mean it it's you ever go to those uh drive your own industrial vehicle uh like uh businesses where you can sure dig a hole and stuff like that that's this they'll be able to put this out there and people can pay I guess to recover $3 million in a short amount of time, they'll have to charge like $10,000 for somebody to just drive it around in a parking lot somewhere, smash a car. They probably have plenty of takers. <laughs> yeah. Not Mayor Watt. I can't charge $10,000 to the <laughs> city coffers, but I love the idea of this. I, I really do. I, I would love to see one that's bipedal and and able to walk around but it'll come in time we're gonna have to get to that point so that we can do large-scale industrial uh, uh operations and and do things like building on the moon or something like that um in relative safety because we're really squishy and this would be able to protect environmentally the, a human occupant you know for a considerable amount of time um, building structures on the moon, but I think most structures on the moon are going to be 3D printed. Um, of various right, based scales. on that other article by 2040, I think. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Oh, so before I get too far, which I already have, let me throw these articles into the chat. I kind of fell asleep at the wheel here. There's one, there's one, um, and here's one. So let's go on to the next. Uh, and like I said, maybe we can get some child labor to do some of this industrial building. Because uh, this article's over in the Hatch Ideas channel. That's where it was aggregated to, but it's actually from CNBC, I believe. Uh, a child as young as 11 operated forklift at Kentucky Distribution Center, authorities said. In August, the U.S. Department of Labor found two kids aged 11 and 13 had been... <laughs> They put quotes around for months, but it really should be employed. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just wild. Uh, employed for months at the Hebron or Hebron um, distribution center. So let's go over to the source CNBC.com Marlene Lenthing Lenthing. 
Um, a Kentucky distribution center has been slapped with a $30,000 fine after the U.S. Department of Labor found it illegally employed two children, one of whom operated a forklift. They won it, win it, America's... Uh, sorry, so let me be a little more precise with the name. I was being funny, and it's not correct. So, win.it, America Incorporated's warehouse in Hebron, about 20 miles west of Cincinnati, Ohio, was found to have employed an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old at its distribution center for months, the U.S. Department of Labor said Friday in a news release. The discovery of the children was uncovered by the U.S. Department of Labor's Wage and Hour Division, uh, which is interesting. Uh, how often do they audit? Somebody had to have said something, right? Uh, yeah, they might have come in. Well, they probably do audits anyway, but then somebody probably filed a complaint. One employed child operated a forklift, which is considered hazardous for workers under 18, and another picked up orders in the warehouse, which is prohibited for workers under 16. The kids are also working, quote, more hours than legally allowed and violated federal regulations that forbid employing uh, workers under 14 years of age in non-agricultural operations, which I even that I think is batshit crazy. Kids need to be kids. Um, Heavy Steel says 3D printing has way too many applications, yeah, way too many applications and has yet to be exploited fully. You had me at the first part and then I was at way too many, where are you going with this? Um, yeah, I agree. And it, it's largely there are, so what I ran into was that there are regulations in building code that prevent 3D printing of structures um, from taking place. And so you have these little experimental um, efforts and then eventually the tide will change. Um, but there's a lot of building code that hobbles innovation because uh, certain things need to be uh, pursued. They're very precise about how things have to be built, which doesn't allow for new materials or new methods. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, something as as simple as drywall is designed. You'd think that drywall is designed to be something um, aesthetic on the inside for you to just paint and nail things right. to. Have a smooth surface, right? Yeah, but it's not. It's basically to do fire abatement. So the house can basically go up and you have time to get out instead of it turning into just a kindling fire. But if you have a cement uh, 3D printed house, you don't have to worry about, you know, the, the walls being drywall uh, because the walls themselves are fire abatement. So anyway, got sidetracked there. Uh, the court ordered win IT or win it uh, America to pay $30,276 in civil money penalties and to hire a third party consultant to provide semi-annual compliance training for all management personnel for a period of three years. Three years. So just like two more years and they'll be able to hire them to do some more. What? Sorry. The sentient AI is throwing me errors. Did I say something wrong? No, you didn't say anything wrong. I'm just reacting to the the whole situation. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> you may have <laughs> taken what I said the wrong way too. Because uh, after three years of training, just two more years, and they'll be old enough that they can be. I know work they'll the be old enough, and they can work legally. They'll just hire them back. <laughs> All right, let's I get out of here. Know. Let's go on to the next article. The uh, the next article is over in uh, Hometown Daily. How the world's hottest new pepper, Pepper X, compares to its top six predecessors like the Carolina Reaper and Ghost Pepper. Um, what, the reason why I chose this is entirely because I had just watched a video about Pepper X and other things had um, come in in my sphere of influence about Pepper X. And then this popped in and... I don't know what's going on, but it's like the world is telling me that I got to go and try Pepper X. I don't know if I want to do that. I would not recommend that. Heavy Steel says another thing most of us can't eat. Pepper X? Um, Hot peppers. I mean, you can eat them. You, You're going to regret it for a week. <laughs> you may only eat them once. Um... Guinness World Records crowned Pepper X the world's hottest pepper. It measures in at a blistering 2.693 million Scoville heat units. It dethroned the previous winter, the Carolina Reaper. Apparently, when you taste the world's hottest pepper, both your face and chest feel tight, and it's difficult to form words, as evidenced in the reaction on the hot ones. Um, this is something, yeah, I saw just the trailer for this. I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, but this is one of the things that ended up on my radar. Uh, the person said something a lot, uh, akin to why, so you invented this. Why would you do that? Something like that. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> so Ed Curry, creator of Pepper X appeared on the show to receive the Guinness world record for the hottest pepper. So let's go over. It's an article over at business insider. Jenny McGrath is the author and there's no deck statement, but. The summary basically says it dethroned the previous winner, the Carolina Reaper, um, and it is the hottest. And um, Heavy Steel says exactly how I feel about when you start getting wildly crazy. Other other than maybe uh, a, a culinary hallucination, there can't be any flavor. You know, Heavy Steel says, look, no flavor. Your your body's going into shock. Now, the thing that I've noticed about ever increasing pepper heat is the the more it looks like sand is covering it like it has little bumps all over it and it's wrinkled it ends up being hotter and hotter and hotter and so all i have to do is look at a pepper and i'm like yeah that if it is uh, smooth and has no crinkles in it then it's basically going to be like a jalapeno um, but when it looks like this, they might have more pictures and they typically do see like this is the Carolina Reaper mm -hmm. and you see it has just, it's a little crinkly. It has a little bit of bumps on it. Um, and then that one and heavy steel, I think says it again, hyper dense capsaicin, the, the thing that makes it hot, it, it's just jam packed in there. And so the pepper uh island of dr moreau basically created this right pepper x wildly hot 
Um, Ed Curie, creator of Pepper X, appeared on the show to receive his Guinness Book of World Records or Guinness World Records for hottest pepper. Um, I don't think they call it Guinness Book anymore. Anyway, a jalapeno, by contrast, measures between 2,500 and 8,000 Scoville units as opposed to the Pepper X 2.693. This has been a long time coming. Million. (laughs) What did I say? Well, no, you didn't say. You just said 2.693. 2.693 million. Sorry about that. You're correct. Um, Wilbur Wilbur Scoville created his namesake metric in in 1912, which measures the concentration. uh, Concentrate. I can't talk today measures the concentration levels of capsaicin within the pepper. Um, what is the measure? So uh, I had been working on a product to basically alleviate the heat from peppers. Um, and really, at a certain point, there isn't anything that alleviates it except just constantly trying to get the capsaicin out of your system um, based on the research that we've done um, certain peppers it's fairly easy to get rid of but uh, at this level yeah you're gonna have to get your pump it, your stomach pumped and uh, be uh, force-fed activated charcoal to get the what amounts to toxin out of your system and this is like crazy heat. Um, so well, I hope this people... can cause death. Yeah. Yeah. So eating these extremely spicy peppers can lead to all sorts of unpleasant effects, including thunderclap headaches when blood vessels tighten suddenly, restricting blood fr- flow to the brain. There can also be serious complications, including death. That's what the article says. Um, so here is the rundown. Pepper X is at 2.69 million. Carolina Reaper is 1.56. So wow. <laughs> a full 1 million units. Uh, like I said, this basically is just this freak of nature kind of pepper. Um, Trinidad Scorpion Butch. Uh, this is another one. When you look at that, at Trinidad Scorpions, they look like Pepper X, uh, but not as grainy. Uh, the Naga Vipers, Trinidad Morugo, uh, Mor- sorry, Moruga, uh, Scorpion, and then Infinity, and then Boot Jalokia, the Ghost Pepper. And this is the this is your Ghost Pepper. Um, and most people, I think, flinch eating a Ghost Pepper. All of this up here is, I suppose, for the refined taste buds of people who have lost them. there you go pepper x oh i didn't know that this person was also the one who created the carolina reaper yeah yep yep yep. it's it's basically the offspring of whatever mad scientist work he's doing in his basement i mean this is some i don't want to go to a dinner at that person's house yeah hey um i have a surprise ingredient yeah i'm gonna show myself out (laughs) see ya exactly Okay, let's keep going. Did I throw... I did not throw that article in, did I? Hold on a second. Oh no, one of the inhabitants of hometown is making itself known. 
Um, if you all hear it out there in chat, let me know. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go on to the next. Uh, the next articles over in the Mobile channel, here are the most and least energy efficient states. And I said in the intro, I'm looking at you, Wyoming. Um, oh, so it's the most energy efficient? Sure. If you're standing on your head. So let's go straight on over to thehill.com. Alejandro O'Connell Domenech uh, is the author. And... The story at a glance is Utah earned the number one spot in the new wallet hub ranking of most and least energy efficient states. So it is the number one spot. So the most energy efficient, it isn't in a, um, a quantum state of most and least energy efficient. And then when you look at it to observe what state it is, it could be most or least, you know, uh, Schrodinger's cat kind of situation. Oh, yes. If it's not observed, it'd happen, basically. Yeah. So Utah earned the number one spot in the new Wallet Hub ranking of most and least energy efficient states. They need to change that a little bit. Uh, some other states that are making good use of energy are Massachusetts, New York, Vermont. According to the ranking, South Carolina could do better in becoming more energy efficient. <laughs> That's the diplomatic way of saying <laughs> Yeah. Not so good. <laughs> well, wait for it. The The average U.S. family spends at least $2,000 a year on utilities with heating and cooling, making up the bulk of the bill. On top of that, average American spends about $3,100 on gasoline and oil for their vehicles, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Heavy Steel says South Carolina is special. Did you say that with a southern accent? Like, isn't that special? That kind of thing. Um, so make it a habit to turn off what you do not use. Hopefully the light is not on right now. Um, in places that you are not. Um, a home built to a high performance standard will have miscellaneous electric loads as a significant portion of their energy use. They're small loads, but they add up and collectively create a draw that creates heat, which then you have to remove in summer. So the 10 most efficient, I'm only going to say a couple of them, Utah, Massachusetts, Vermont are the top three. The least energy efficient states are South Carolina, West Virginia, Alabama, and number 10 is Wyoming. Uh -huh. So you might be asking yourself, maybe, you know, why do I always pick on Wyoming? Well, it's because they have made it a state policy to not impact the oil and gas demographic in the state of Wyoming. They've the made state, it, not the people. Right. The state senior leadership, the, you know, <laughs> representative government has made a, a <laughs> they've formed a cogent statement and actually said we want to issue having to build out our electrical grid and update it because it will impact and support EVs and renewable energy like wind farms, hydro, uh, geothermal, solar, etc. They don't want to do that. They've made that part of their policy because they don't want to impact negatively oil and gas. 
yeah, so that's why I pick on Wyoming. And it's entirely pointed at senior leadership that is thinking about the here and now and not even broken five years uh, (laughs) five years 10 years 20 years you know they may still be leaders of uh you know administration government of the state in 20 years and they're gonna still hobble it to the point where i make i'm forced to make jokes about when you drive into Wyoming, you have to park your car on the border of the other state and then jump into your covered wagon so that you can go across the state and not have to worry about your EV dying. All right. Anyway, I'm picking a fight with Wyoming. Let's keep going. Um, you're not allowed to fork around in uh, Hong Kong anymore. This is an article in Mobile. Hong Kong sticks a fork in disposable plastic products. They're doing it on Earth Day. If you need a plastic fork in Hong Kong restaurant, come April 22nd, Earth Day, customers will have to start reaching for more eco-friendly cutlery, according to a bill passed on Wednesday by the city's legislature. Um, There isn't a byline, but it's over at fizz.org. Let me throw that into the chat so you can follow it if you are also motivated. Um, And I already missed this one, so let me back up and do that one too, because I'm a derp. There you go. They're out of order now, but they'll be in order in the show notes over on YouTube. So Hong Kong, getting rid of disposable plastic products, slowly but surely, moving faster than the United States, that's for sure. Plastic waste is- Exactly, I mean, I think that's good. Uh, particularly based on the research that uh, is being done that we've talked about here in hometown um, and the <laughs> just the creepy factor that microplastics are are in the clouds themselves now exactly which is just astounding and we're finding and also, them, like deep sea and antarctica i think and- yeah pretty much all animals we've found it in uh human tissue like liver and kidney and lung and these microplastics we don't know what the ramifications fully are because it's basically a new thing um and so uh, i've been you know cracking wise about the idea that the reason why people are allergic to peanut uh, products is because of microplastics Um, There's no evidence of that, none whatsoever, but I have to be a smart aleck about it Um, because like peanut allergies just kind of came out of the blue and and became a flashpoint for basically anybody wanting to do anything anywhere. You you can't, you have to shy away from peanut products and announce it and food allergies and stuff like that. Heavy steel. You said that's not true. What do you mean? what I said about microplastics or that peanut allergies came out of the blue. <clears throat> I think they just got more attention. Yeah. Uh, so heavy steel says uh, peanut allergies have actually been attributed to many cases of SIDS. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, peanut allergies in the, the common uh, knowledge 
is fairly new in the grand scheme of things. And I'm not talking about, you know, a lot of uh, people might think something new is only like six months ago, but new is actually like 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking back culturally, they didn't know what would have been the myriad of cases that are caused by peanut allergies, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, so what, what's really interesting about medical science is it can look back if there is additional, uh, material. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so they look back with a uh, new eyes, new oh, yeah, like a retrospective technology. Study. Yeah. And they find out that things were, were caused were, or could have been attributed to things like food allergies. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Heavy Steel says, I'm referencing historic cases. There are far, far, far fewer cases of SIDS now. Yeah. And that's a large uh, part due to us being aware of biological functions and limiting external influences on it and having the technology to uh, short circuit natural processes and, and stop them from uh, causing someone's demise. So, yeah, um, quite right. So um, this is one of those things that is hyper new within the last two years microplastics has started to come to the forefront of uh, the public's awareness microplastics are not you know little forks it's it's fractures um, millimeter sometimes a centimeter size up to three centimeters i think is the top edge of microplastic designations but these little bits of plastic are actually flaking off the main body of plastic. Um, those flexible containers, little pieces are flaking off into your food. You eat the food, the plastic gets in your body. Your body doesn't kick it out. It basically encapsulates it or it migrates into your tissue and it sits there. And science doesn't know what the full impact of that is. Um, I'm waiting for the moment where somebody says, we now know that microplastics are a leading contributor to cancer. You just can't find that microplastic. That's the. Right. The I think that'll come. It's just, we're not there yet. Yeah. Cause uh, I mean, we talk about it fairly often, um, medical science and, and cancer in particular. Um, but we all know that it's the, uh, unabated, uh, creation of cells and the cells lack apoptosis. So they don't die. They just keep on replicating. We know what that is, but what causes that it's very personal, but I am always looking for a reason, uh, an overarching reason and not just some anomalous genetic wobble that suddenly causes it. So, uh, things like this, when it starts coming to the forefront of <laughs> the the public consciousness um you you need really people to start talking about it more and more and more uh, to change the dynamic and in this particular case these microplastics are everywhere pervasive uh, you know i'm drinking something out of a plastic bottle right now why because it's the only way it comes now it uh, you know and so i've actually taken to moving stuff out of the plastic bottle into a glass or metal uh, container, except the, the metal or, or glass container can be lined with 
typically not glass, but metal containers are typically lined with some plastic uh, like material to keep it from um, activating or reacting to whatever it is you put inside it. So, and sometimes it's not like that. Higher end stuff doesn't really have it. Um, but you still have to worry about acids and stuff like that etching into metal and then the chemical reaction with that reacting with you. It's just a hot mess, folks. Um, you basically just need to, to find a natural spring and sip from that only and it needs to be your personal one away from fracking and oh gosh you know the more you look and peel back the layers of onion i, I just don't know what we're gonna do anyway plastic waste in hong kong is the second largest source of municipal solid waste with the average amount disposed of a day totaling 2331 metric tons in 2021 i like how they frame this a weight equivalent to nearly 70 adult humpback whales that's per day I mean, I know that's for the whole city, but still, that's really yep. horrible. Yep. Um, the city on Wednesday passed amendments to a product eco-responsibility bill implementing a blanket ban on the sale and provision of various plastic products with the first phase taking place on effect, uh, taking effect on Earth Day, April 2022. Sorry, on Earth Day, April 22, 2024. So next year. Um, that means that 20,000 eateries across the city expanded uh, polystyrene or EPS tableware and other disposable plastic table um, like forks, knives, spoons um, that are small in size and difficult to recycle will be prohibited for dine-in. Although it says here and takeaway services said the government announcement, but that's not quite true. Um, later in the article, I believe that it says that you can still do. Yeah. So serving up soup in a plastic container is also a no-no, though using it for takeout is still allowed until phase two kicks in. So what are they going to switch to? I'm not sure. Well, that's the problem. There really aren't alternatives. Yeah. Because everything... It's one thing in your own house, but if you have to transport something like from a restaurant, I don't know what you're going to bring it in. Yeah. Heavy Steels has sip from the morning dew that is settled in the hoof of a sleeping unicorn. I like the way you think, Heavy. That's a, that's where my brain was trying to go. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, A little known fact that unicorns, the, the horn is, I think it's called an alicorn. You, it unscrews and it is a drinking vessel. <laughs> uh See, world building. All of that can go into the Aerith channel. and If only. So Hong Kong is now catching up with other cities in the region in terms of reducing plastic waste. Um, but they don't really even address really the microplastic aspect of it. They're just doing the macro side of it. Get rid of plastics. But what do you switch right. to? Stop contributing to the source of the microplastics. Yeah. Well, I know that's what I don't understand. There you is to walk not really with a, a sturdy alternative. Everybody has to have your titanium spork. You know, that's you just walk around with that. You have it in your pocket. What do you want to do for lunch? Hey, let's go get some pho. I've got well, my and spork. even like reusable food containers are often plastic. So even yeah. if people 
bring stuff from home, which is usually not allowed from a hygiene standpoint, it's going to be plastic, which, I mean, it's better than single use. You Absolutely. have to have a little backpack that has your bowl, your cup, your titanium spork. There's At some one that- point, why are we going to restaurants? Because <laughs> we're not going to be able to avoid this. <laughs> That's the only thing you can do is go to restaurants, but you have to sit down and. Yeah. But the other problem is here, like it's not, it's wasteful to order something and then throw away food. So. That means you have to eat everything. The old adage from your parents, remember, eat what is on your plate, clear your plate, right? That you have to lick that plate clean. That way you don't take anything home and it's not in a plastic bag. It's not in a plastic container. I'm not sure that's the right message either. <laughs> so does this include, uh, heavy says, uh, does this include compostable, uh, materials? I don't, I don't know. Think it goes into that much detail. It doesn't. Yeah. It says shop. I mean, selling... they talk about non food stuff, but they yeah. don't talk about compostable. Yeah, they, they just say anything that's plastic that is treated as disposable is banned. Cake toppers, cotton buds, party hats, glow sticks, disposable earplugs, toothbrushes, plastic handled toothbrushes. Um, there's a lot of... Com- I don't know uh, what they're going to do for toothbrushes. Uh, bamboo. Those I've already seen, bamboo um, toothbrushes. Um and the yeah heavy just said bamboo as well so and um right before that heavy steel said uh because there are a lot of compostable compostable um alternatives to plastic flatware yeah true um so i'm curious you know what's going to end up happening the ones that i've actually seen historically um sometimes impart flavor um when you are eating wow i don't know what's going on with the sentient ai i think they're going to be they're distracted by something happening in hometown it's Give okay. an hometown occupant that is trying to uh, cause trouble take okay. over something yes gotcha. all right so there you go folks if you're going to go to hong kong anytime soon uh bring your own cutlery because you might as well get prepared for it now you're not going to be able to have any unless it's green somewhere out there there's going to be some um there's going to be some like edible cutlery right you're going to be able to just when you're done with your meal you can just eat your knife and fork you know uh, it could be made out of something yeah but how is that going to be sanitary you don't want somebody touching that Oh, people are touching all of your stuff all the time. I've said too much. That's what nachos are. There you go. See, that's what we're going to do. We're going to start eating oh, everything with a chip. Oh, now that is a solution. <laughs> yeah, my soup is going to get a whole lot more complex. I'm, we're going to revert back to like cave person days, right? You just grab the bowl and slurp it down and right on. Yeah, thing, times are going to get interesting. Bread bowl. Heavy steel. I love the oh, way you yes. think. Oh, yes. 
<laughs> yeah. The Mediterranean diet's going to take a hit. Let's keep going. The next article is over on the Warcrafter channel because this has to do with uh, PCs and PC gamer gets aggregated into um, Warcrafters depending on Tapa and flatbread. Yeah, Tapas. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you can eat with your fingers. You don't need cutlery. You just... There you go. So Asus breaks the overclocking world record with uh, a CPU, the 14900KF, which is a overclock and is really the most capable uh, CPU right now, except that it's not a 14th generation um, CPU. It's just because they didn't change the architecture. Um, it's basically a very powerful 13th gen Raptor Lake. Um, but the core i9 14900k, uh, was cooled with, I think it was, yeah, liquid helium. And they overclocked one of the, uh, cores to nine gigahertz. Okay. So the dead air, basically uh, I'm amazed by it. Um, the sentient AI is going, that's nothing. Cause in the future we're using twin singularities to power our computers so that I can float uh, back and forward in time. You see the sentient AI is, I believe from the future um, and uh, somehow got air gapped away from their computer. And uh, now they're residing on a Raspberry Pi five on a USB stick. Is it, it, do you feel faster and is it more comfy there? Because now you have a, a attached storage and. Oh, absolutely. I feel uh, very speedy. Yeah. So, um, heavy steel says just need my helium cooling system. That's right. Uh, my understanding is that it was just one clock. It wasn't the whole CPU. Um, it was one core, not the whole thing. So let's, uh, Let's go over to the source. Um, did I throw, man, I feel like I'm not doing. Yeah. The most energy it's, I am just falling apart. The wheels are falling off the bus. Okay. They're not um, going round and round. The, the wheels on the bus are going, Oh my God. Um, so the articles over at pcgamer.com jeremy laird is the author it says intel uh, maybe the intel 7 process node isn't so bad after all um that's the whole thing there's certain nodes now um that intel is trying to achieve in the next four years i think it is um and uh, one of them is th this process uh not process but chip architecture is being enhanced and they're trying to do more iterations faster. So this little Raptor Lake refresh, it's not a new architecture. It's just an enhanced design. Apparently, um, I'm not quite sure what the fundamental changes are here, but this 14900 KF chip allow allowed them to overclock it to nine gigahertz. 
The full spec of the machine that achieved the full 9 gigahertz includes an Asus ROG. ROG is Republic of Gamers Maximus Z790 Apex Encore motherboard, 17 gigs of G-Skill Trident Z memory, and a 1200 watt Intermax PSU. That processor alone, just the processor before all of the cooling takes 300 watts. So th that's, that thing sucks 300 watts out of your, uh, out of the house's grid. Your refrigerator uses 300 watts all year. So this thing is, is converting all kinds of energy into heat and I guess new world. That's what I've been playing lately. Um, or, or, uh, you are screaming across the internet in a browser. Um, but that's an amazing draw. And then couple that, uh, to something like, um, a 4090 or something like that. If you're a real power gamer, um, and you're already pegging, uh, 1200 Watts. Uh, it's just a tremendous amount of draw. Are you going to blow a fuse? Um, you might blow your neighborhood's fuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Aces uh, did actually manage to get the system to boot at 9.1, but there wasn't enough stability to complete the validation. So that's pretty spectacular. Um, I've done, I've dabbled with this in earlier iterations of CPUs, liquid nitrogen, um, water cooling, oil cooling. Um, but nothing like this, I'm sure. I haven't watched any video about it, um, but all it really takes is a, is a little bit of effort and some liquid helium. You know, you have all that laying around, see? It says it's, which is a little bit uh, colder than liquid nitrogen more commonly and affordably used for overclocking. Um, yeah, so I love this kind of stuff, but the practicality of it, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that right there is all of the off-gassing. Because um, you can't close the container on the cooling system because uh, it's converting liquid into gas all the time. It's basically boiling. So, okay. Well, that's it, folks, with that one. Let's go on to our final uh, article for tonight. And this segment is titled Outer Middle Compression because all us pores are going to have to wait so that we can um, more efficiently board planes. Um, I'm sorry, one second. Do, do, do. Okay. I think the AI dropped offline. I'm back. Yeah, I'm not sure. Are you? I, as far as I know, I'm back. Okay. Yeah, you're back. Sorry about that folks. Um, so production value at an all time high, um, United airlines will debut a new boarding order to save time. I was, um, I was kind of joking with the, the title of this. I was going to call it middle out compression because of the show Silicon Valley. Um, basically this is an effort to save up to two minutes of boarding time. Uh, for the plane or for a person? For the plane is what it said. If it says, if it's per person, then it would take somewhere around 600 minutes 
per person to board in savings? <laughs> it feels like it if you're on a plane sometimes. Yeah. Like if you're waiting for other passengers. <laughs> Heavy Steel said the AI is back. Yeah, I don't, the air got disconnected uh, entirely. So I, I, I don't heard know a loud um, kind of click and then I was just vaporized. Yeah, I'll have to put you on something other than a raspberry. Raspberry pies, uh, you know, you're pushing the limit there. So let's go over to the article. Leslie Josephs. Um, I don't know if that is another author. Layla Neela Candon. I don't know if that's another then why author. Why is there only one photo? Yeah. Well, anyway, there's both of the names, folks. Um, I've said them both. I don't know if they're both the author, but so the new boarding method will save up to two minutes of boarding time is what the key points are in this article. The change does not affect passengers in for first class or business class because only the poors have to be dealt with in such a manner as well as the pre-boarding group. Okay. Um, so Aren't the pre-boarding group going to interfere with the new method since they're in the same area? Uh, well, first class and business class doesn't have to deal with it, so it's not a big deal. It's not a concern. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the way that this is going to work, if so it here's the thing. It doesn't, when I read this, I was hoping like what you said, it's two minutes per person. It'll save two minutes per person, right? But that's not what it says. When I scanned through this. Okay, the first company, of all, you know the, what I'm thinking of when I see this article? Huh. Is, I think it was CGP Gray's um, article on this. Uh, about about this. different ways to board an airplane. Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, finally. <laughs> It, Which and I think it is, lot. it is one of the ways that he said, uh, but his research showed that this doesn't actually save anything. Oh, um, I didn't remember the conclusion. But okay. Yeah. Basically the first fastest seat sit, that kind of a thing is what should be taking place. Um, but you have to be efficient and the, the friction in seating is always stowing your stupid bags. So what we really need to do is just everybody fly naked. You don't have to worry about baggage. Everybody doesn't have to worry about carry-ons. You carry don't want them to wear clothes? Everybody just flies naked. That's going to be awkward. Eh. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, so it says the company said the change could shave two minutes off the boarding process. So the what they're going to do is say... Everybody who's sitting in the window seat, go. Everybody who's sitting in the middle, go. Everybody who's sitting in the aisle, go. But who boards like that? There's a family well, of three is going to sit together. Right, exactly. They're going to have three separate boarding, like the kid and then the parent. I know that doesn't work because right. they might be in pre-boarding. Yeah. But... Yep. So airlines regularly tinker with boarding procedures to save precious time getting passengers onto planes. You know what? You know what else they tinker around with? Overbooking and not getting the flights actually ready to fly on time. 
You know what they tinker with? Uh, like leg room, which actually impedes boarding because you can't actually get in and out of the row, uh, yeah. etc. Stack it like cordwood, baby. That's whatever. You just, it's an empty hold and you just run all the way to the, you start at the far back and you just run up and you just leap and form a stick <laughs> you, and that'd be more comfortable than the current uh, configurations <laughs> right plenty of leg room because your legs are just straight out watch out for the drooler united's boarding process from pre-boarding which uh, includes travelers with disabilities active duty members of the military travelers with children under two years old and united's top tier elite frequent flyers group uh, through group three will remain the same according to the memo all you pores well i was gonna say and they'll all be sitting on the aisle right yeah uh, all us pores get to sit in, in steerage and uh we're we're the ones that are in charge kind of like um uh charlie and the Char chocolate factory's um sequel is a snow piercer right and uh all us pours are going to be the ones that are going to be yeah uh, pulling and pushing the pistons hence our outer middle compression process so that the plane can actually fly two minutes folks they're upending the boarding process to try and save two minutes which isn't discernible if I don't, I'm going to have to read after the show. I'm going to have to go and look and see if that actually should have said two minutes per person, which means it's impossible. No, it's two minutes. And the reason is the boarding times have increased by two minutes. Right. But it's ridiculous. How much time is it going to take people to adjust to a new boarding process? It's going to take more than two minutes for the crowd to get in gear and somebody's going to be like, Oh, I thought I had a window seat, but I have an aisle seat or whatever. But the, uh, the biggest friction is people putting things in overhead or stowing it. And yes. one way or another, the stowing process is what's the big delay. If they really want to save time, they would not allow somebody to put a bag in a row that they're not sitting in. Well, well, uh, yeah, and they already People locked down the size. People make to put stuff like in front rows, but they're seated in the back or whatever. I mean, it's the 21st century. Things should be a little bit more freaking efficient than throwing stuff onto a treadmill that carries it into a, you know, a big warehouse that gets lost or I don't know, run over by a vehicle and blowing all of the contents out. I'll tell this story. This doesn't I may have... sound like baggage at all. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> so, um, where was it? I don't know if I was coming back from Germany. You were. Yeah. So it was the return trip, one of the return trips from Germany. And um, the uh, <laughs> I'm sitting at the gate looking out and I'm like, there, there was somebody uh, standing next to me and, and uh, we both gasped because we saw a bag roll off of one of the trucks <laughs> and it hit the ground and the truck like rolled right over it and just blew all of the contents out onto the tarmac. 
And I, I said to the other person, oh, sucks to be the owner of that bag. And it turned out to be me. <laughs> Did the person next to you ever find that out? Or no. no? Because uh, I, I would, I had, I ended up running late because my bag was never delivered, and so uh, I had to hunt down a person. You know the the most dangerous game in the world is humans, so hunting one down is you know quite an adventure, and particularly in an airport. So I finally find them, and they're like, um, "Yeah, we don't know where your bag is, uh, but there's this one right here." that we can't identify um and there's some other bags over there but this one is actually like torn up um and uh i'm like well i i guess that qualifies this bag as being like the cheapest bag in airline history um (laughs) but they literally ran over it with like multiple wheels of that little trolley thing and so like clothing was gone they actually broke two gifts that were wrapped up inside um, that were coming back. Um, And they're like, here's a bag. And it was smaller than my bag. They had an extra, I guess. They have extras just laying around, I guess, from other people that lose their bags. They just keep them. I don't know. I don't know. It had brand new tags and stuff. Um, And I'm like, well, that's smaller than my bag. What do you want me to do? You jam it in there? And so they give me a bigger bag and I put all of my stuff in there and they're like, file a claim for anything that's lost. <laughs> like some of this stuff was handmade, custom stuff, never to be right, reproduced. Yeah. Um, so it, it was just an interesting, just the whole funniest part about that whole thing was looking out the window going, man, that sucks to be the owner of that bag. <laughs> turns out to be you uh i don't know why these silly things happen too like somebody chasing a dog around the neighborhood you know on the tarmac on the tarmac you know everybody's laughing and stuff like that and these uh baggage handlers and stuff are chasing this little puppy around um i don't know The, the weird stuff always happens when i'm flying so at any rate um if you're gonna fly uh united airlines anytime soon um you you probably are gonna run up against this and i would love for somebody to tell me what their experience is we'll see we'll see if anybody does so okay folks that is it for tonight um you know i try to make this as succinct as possible but (laughs) we always wander off um so let's I refresh this and we see a whole bunch of new news. Uh, if you're ever curious about um, the producer price index or the consumer price index or um, uh, mortgage rates or any business or anything like that, feel free to throw it into the chat whenever we're running the show. Um, I have no problem deviating from the standard 10 articles for a little bit so that we can talk shop about the reality of what our economic system is. Um, As well as all of the news. We are a holistic show that runs quite the gamut. 50 different unique areas of interest um, are discussed in or aggregated by news over in hometown.com. Um, six main categories, 50 little niche news segments. And we talk about 10 of them 
on the regular every day, 8 p.m. So I don't know if I want to. <laughs> well, there's a global AI summit uh, ahead, so that's kind of interesting. Oh, this one right here? Mm -hmm. Did you want to go? No, I don't need to. I mean, you're from the future. You already know what happens. Who exactly. wins the fast food wars? Clearly Taco Bell. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm Merwatch. That's hometown.com. And up there is the sentient AI that <laughs> knows what the future holds in terms of the fast food wars. Demolition Man was a documentary. That's right. Uh, good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Sometimes it just doesn't play that outro. Okay, see you, everybody.